It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, friends? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. Hey, this football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that football fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. How you guys doing, everybody? Billy Rossetti back with you guys here on a football Friday. Hope you had a, a great week. We are rolling here, getting ready for Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Chargers. We've got a great show today, actually. Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue over at SB Nation. He's joining the show today to give a little more insight on Sunday's matchup, kind of the news that's been going on this week, his thoughts on the quarterback situation for the Chargers, and a couple other notes for this game. So uh, really excited to get to talk to him. But uh, before we get into that, I do want to talk about the final injury report that was just released a little bit ago for the Panthers. And... The good news is that nobody was officially ruled out of Sunday's game, which is a step in the right direction. You know, we've had, of course, the last couple of weeks where guys like Dennis Daly and K1 Short were already ruled out before we even got to the weekend. Well, now we're at the point where uh, these guys are you know, likely not going to play, but at least they haven't been completely ruled out. So... We're getting there, you know, baby steps, right? But Dennis Daly and K1 Short were both uh, were both ruled doubtful or, or declared as doubtful for Sunday's game. Uh, Dennis Daly, of course, still dealing with that ankle injury, and K1 Short still dealing with the foot injuries that cost them uh, Week Two against the Buccaneers. Of course, Dennis Daly still has not played yet this season; really hasn't practiced this season yet either uh but both both players will travel to los angeles with the team so that's a good note so at least they're they're well enough to travel uh the only other player that actually got an injury designation or a game designation for sunday is russell okung who of course was a bit of a later add to the uh the injury report he was added on thursday uh, with a uh, a groin injury, he did not practice at all on Thursday, but he was a full participant on Friday. So that's a little bit of good news. Uh, he is listed as questionable. As far as the other players that were on the injury list, uh, Brian Burns, John Miller, and Yitor Gross Matos, all three of them. Burns, of course, was listed with a, a thigh injury, Miller, ankle and a groin injury, and Gross Matos with a concussion. 
they were all limited on Wednesday, but they were all full participants both Thursday and Friday, so they were all expected to play on Sunday. So, again, only three players really listed with a uh, with injury or game designations. Uh, Matt Rule said about Russell Okung, he said, quote, I'm hoping Russell can play just because he's our starter, and then we would go from there. Coaches would make a determination off of practice, but Greg's been the backup left tackle, so I'd have full confidence in him. But I wouldn't want to say right now I'd want to go in this direction. Uh, he then said on guys like Short and Daly, he said, we'll get them there and see if they feel good tomorrow and see if something changes on Sunday. But if we played right now, they wouldn't play. So something to monitor throughout the weekend with those two guys. But again, Daly and Short are listed as doubtful for Sunday, while Russell Okung is questionable for Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers. So that's just a quick note on the uh, the final injury report for the Carolina Panthers. Nothing yet, uh, at least at the time of this recording, on the Chargers. But I will say, at least from Wednesday and Thursday, uh, three players did not practice at all on Wednesday or Thursday. Those included linebacker Asmar Bilal, running back Justin Jackson, and defensive tackle Justin Jones. Neither of them have practiced yet, but Lau dealing with a calf injury, Jackson with a quadricep, and Jones with a shoulder injury. Uh, pretty much everybody else, uh, Brian Bulaga and Rayshon Jenkins, uh, have both been limited so far Wednesday and Thursday. Bulaga is dealing with a knee injury, Jenkins has a groin injury, and then the other players were all full participants on Thursday, including Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, Bosa with a triceps injury. Ingram is listed with a knee injury. You also have Hunter Henry, was upgraded to full from limited Wednesday to Thursday with an ankle injury. And same for Desmond King. He was limited Wednesday, but was a full participant on Thursday with a back injury. So that's just kind of where things stand with uh, the Chargers, at least through their first two days of practice. Again, no nothing yet, at least in, at the time of this recording, Nothing yet on the Chargers injury report. But again, that's just a kind of an update on where things stand with the uh, with the Panthers and their injury report. So we'll get to Michael Peterson in a minute. But before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that today's episode is being brought to you by our friends at Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether, whether they are their corner stores, your coffee spots, or your favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the nfl and today's episode also being brought to you by nfl game pass this season get football on your time with nfl game pass you can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action 
all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best, like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. So as we jump back into things, like I said, I told you Michael Peterson, Bolts from the Blue, is going to be joining us, and we will get into that in a minute, and then we will wrap things up here. So here's my talk now with Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue. All right, everybody, we're here now with Michael Peterson, good friend of mine from Bolts from the Blue, the L.A. Chargers SB Nation blog. Really glad to have Michael on, good friend of mine. We met at the Senior Bowl a couple years ago. Great guy, great dude, great football mind. Uh, so I figured get him in to get you guys a little more insight on the Chargers if we get set for Sunday's big battle between the Chargers and the Panthers at SoFi. Mike, what's going on, buddy? Good to see you. It's good to see you as well, man. It's going to be an exciting matchup on Sunday. Uh, obviously, with the it, the really unfortunate news with Tyrod, obviously means that the rookie Justin Herbert will be starting. Um, it's still game three with Teddy Bridgewater behind center. So there's, there's still plenty of intrigue and excitement for a game like this, this early in, in the season. Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be a rather fun matchup. And I think we might as well start with that. You know, we talked uh, with the Locked On Chargers host yesterday, but figure get a little insight from you, maybe in case things have changed. But yeah, what a crazy story that was this week that we find out Tyrod Taylor has to go to the hospital minutes before the game starts because it turns out he got his lung punctured by the team doctor. So a crazy story. We find out he's out this week. What were your thoughts to everything that went on? What do you expect going forward uh, with Taylor and, you know, a little bit with Herbert? Yeah, so, you know, at first, everybody, it seemed, anyone who heard Anthony Lynn's comments right after uh, the Chiefs game where he basically said, you know, despite, what Herbert just did, right? 311 yards, two total touchdowns, and and took the reigning Super Bowl champs to the brink in overtime. You know, after performance that he put on, Lynn was like pretty quickly ready to say, hey, Tyrod Taylor is our starter if he is 100% healthy. And, you know, he said some things like, Herbert is a backup for a reason. There's some things we didn't get done today. And uh, last time I checked, we didn't win that game, which a lot of people heard it and went, damn, that's kind of harsh, you know, for your rookie, the one you took at six overall has a great game, blows everybody away. And the first thing you have to say is he's a, a backup for a reason. So that took a lot of people by surprise, but then come to find out yesterday that, you know, we knew there was complications with this painkiller injection that he had for uh, apparently cracked ribs that no one knew that Tyrod had that we think he sustained in the first game against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. The opening so anyway, he has, yes, he has this injection and uh, there was complications. And so Herbert started, that happened. And then come to find out yesterday that, oh, the complications was a punctured lung. And I was actually just listening to ESPN's fantasy football podcast where Stefania Bell, their injury, uh, expert talked about how like it's 
it's an it's a very rare thing for happen like it but that's the risk you take there's two different methods there's going in blind which is just based on like someone's knowledge of the anatomy of the body they sit there and they go okay right here um and then they inject them where they believe is the right spot or they do it with like um uh, i can't think of it but like some form of an x-ray or something to, to, to understand where they're going before they actually do it um but this guy did it blind and, and that's the risk you take when you decide to do that. There are some medical professionals in the NFL who, who say uh, they're not going to do it anymore once they realize there's a better way to do it. But this was that unfortunate case where yes, he just went, I think a little too low where the lungs hang below the ribs just a little bit. And he punctured one of the ribs. Apparently it, it was very minor, however, because Tyrod only went to the hospital for a little bit and was um, discharged the same day. And he's according to Anthony Lynn, when we spoke to him yesterday, um, he said that Tyrod's in the building that he's feeling fine um, and he's you know doing what he can to help mentor Justin Herbert and Easton Stick who will be the backup on Sunday while Tyrod is out. I, I think the most interesting part uh, and again it's, it's so unfortunate but doctors have already advised Tyrod Taylor to stop playing indefinitely and so I don't I'm not an expert I don't know how long a normal punctured lung you know what, what the prognosis is how fast you're going to be able to come back from that but for doctors to just be like, hey, just don't play football anymore right now. Like, don't practice, don't do anything. That's really scary. And, and just another huge bummer for Tyrod, who, who's been dealing with these huge, like, you know, for lack of a better term, these, you know, nut punches where it's, you got benched for Nathan Peterman. Uh, you had a concussion and then lost your job to Baker Mayfield. And now after being the starter for one game, you have a punctured lung and you lose your job, at least for the next couple of weeks, to Justin Herbert. So whole thing's just really, really unfortunate. And uh, we just got to wish for a fast recovery for Tyrod. No, absolutely. So, yeah, just a, a crazy, crazy week. So, you know, hopefully soon we get him back. But um, as far as Sunday goes, it is going to be Justin Herbert in there. And, you know, like you said, he had a, a pretty solid game. So it was surprising to hear Anthony Lynn give those kind of comments. But, you know, what were your overall thoughts on Herbert on Sunday against the Chiefs, a game that obviously they nearly won? And how can he take that momentum going forward, especially now that the Panthers have a little bit of film on him versus the Chiefs, who obviously had no way to prepare for him? So what, what, what can Herbert do differently? Uh, you know, how can he attack this Panthers defense? Just some overall thoughts on Herbert. So first thought with Herbert is um, he started super hot, right? Like he, he, he marched the, the team right down. I believe it was an eight play 79 yard drive, something like that. And the play, the, the drive involved him using his legs, obviously using his arm, uh, a combination of throwing it down the field, outside the numbers, between the numbers um, and dumping it down and, and letting his playmakers make plays. Um, I thought maybe he, he even took some risks, like right off the bat, De depending on the coverage he saw when he chucked it up to Austin Eckler on a wheel route. I mean, at first I was like, that's the dumbest throw you can make. Like he, th there's a cornerback right there, a defender um, right there with Eckler, you know, but he threw it up like that just to, to make sure that he, you know, he got it there in time. And, and fortunately enough, um, Eckler was able to use the defender's, momentum against him and jump back inside to make the catch while the defender's uh, momentum was carrying him like away from the ball. So it just worked out perfectly, but that's an example of giving your playmakers a chance to make a play throughout the rest of the game. You know, early on, I thought on drive two and drive three, you saw the problems that were evident with Herbert coming out of Oregon, which was sometimes he just sails 
easy passes, right? Like five yard hitches, short drags, stuff like that. Even like, you know, now screens where it's snap, turn to the left or right, throw it to your receiver and let them go uh, and make a play again. He had trouble with those passes. He, you know, he's got a live arm. We understand that. But for whatever reason, he just doesn't trust himself to, to catch it and let it rip. He's got to almost guide it a little too much. And we saw with an overthrow of Keenan Allen, I believe, on a third down. Um, there was another one, I believe, to Mike Williams that he sailed. Uh, it just happened a couple times. But the thing about it was he was able to bounce back really, really well from those mistakes, you know. So I think there was one drive where an overthrow killed it. Well, comes back on the next drive and, and absolutely kills it again. Um, he just and, – and then you look back on he, that really bad sack he took. I think Mike Dana was the, the defender for the Chiefs who sacked him for, like, I think it was a loss of 10-plus of yards, right? He comes back to hit Hunter Henry over the middle to get a bunch of those that yardage back. And then with uh, – I believe it was passing young, Tenno passing young, their huge defensive end was bailing down on him. And he just threw a laser to Keenan Allen right over the fingertips of, of Tyran Matthew. So seeing him take a sack, which is, like, such a rookie thing to do, right? And then make two, like, just elite level throws to get them not only that yards back, but to get the first down it is absolutely huge. So he showed the bad that we expected, but he showed the type of bounce back ability that people did not expect from Herbert. So he has all this momentum, right? And you said, you know, what can you do to keep this momentum against the Panthers? I think that that blueprint for, for Shane Steich and the OC, uh, what he should lay out for Herbert against the Panthers is to keep it simple the same way they had to keep it simple for the Chiefs because he obviously didn't get the full week of starting work um, in practice up to this past Sunday. And I think that was a good thing, though. I think without putting too much on his plate, you were able to run the stuff that he knew how to run really, really well. I mean, he just showed you that he can run it really well. So I don't think you need to add a bunch of stuff on his plate I don't think you need to expand the playbook all that much heading into this matchup. It's still his second career start. And, and yes, if you don't expand the playbook, then, you know, you give the Panthers an ability to have much less plays to be on top of, right, in, in their film study and trying to defend him. But I just think, man, keep it, you know, that, that kiss anagram or whatever it is, keep it simple, stupid. Like, just don't get too complicated. Don't get too cute. You know, I don't care what, what, what you think you could uh, – help you out with at the end, what, what kind of advantage it could give you. I think the best for this rookie who's starting way earlier than anyone expected is to keep it simple and just let him do what he does best. It also helps too. I think that they have two incredible running backs who I've been, and I'll, I'll say this too, like obviously Austin Eckler has been fantastic for a couple of years now and he deserved the contract, but I'm happy. I'm so happy for Joshua Kelly, man. Uh, I got to meet him at the senior bowl and got to talk to him at the scouting combine he's one of the, the and i'm sure you've gotten to run into him to an hour at least gotten to talk mm -hmm. to him he's one of the nicest kids you will meet out there very humble very excited and good that he got to stay in la because i remember him him talking at the combine about always going to rams training camps too so at least getting to stick in the la area was fun but how has this rushing attack gotten so dynamic so quick you know with especially with joshua kelly and how much does that help Herbert and how can they use this rushing attack to gash a Panthers team that's still having some issues uh, in the rushing game? We saw Josh Jacobs obviously have a big game against them in week one with three touchdowns. Leonard Fournette went for over a hundred yards and two touchdowns last week. What can the Chargers do to kind of keep that rushing attack going against this Panthers defense? I think, again, this is something that you want to stay 
kind of the same, right? Like the Chargers haven't been, I mean, they've been a, a heavy rushing team with yards because of volume, right? I think they're, they lead the NFL in rushing attempts with 83 and uh, against the Chiefs, Kelly had 23 totes and that's for a backup running back. You know, that's a, that's a hell of a number. I think they rushed the ball uh, 39 times total, which I don't think is sustainable, but I think the game script obviously led them that way. But I, I think that's what they want the game script to be. You know, they want to keep it close enough and, and keep them in the positive where they can win the game through their two running backs. Um, in terms of explaining like their success. And I mean, I say success because, or despite Kelly's uh, yards per carry against the Chiefs being like pretty bad. I mean, 23 for 64 is, is not that great of a stat line, but he just did what he needed to do, right? He got the tough yards. They didn't need him to break it open like that. Um, what the Chargers did, though, coming into this season was they added many more zone run concepts. And for the last couple of years of being uh, of covering the Chargers, I've decided that or I always thought that the, the zone was better fit for the Chargers. They ran a, a power scheme where it involves more one-on-one -on -one blocks and it, it involves more of a trying to move guys off, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one, head to head type um, blocks instead of zone, which kind of gets everyone kind of moving in the same direction. And, and what I like about zone is that the, the responsibilities change throughout the entire play, like depending on what's in front of you, you know, and, and a power and gap scheme, it's just like, this is your guy blocking no matter what. Well, in zone, you take your steps to the right, you take your steps to the left. And if the guy who's like your responsibility at the start, say goes uh, away from you, then he's no longer your responsibility. And then if you got, if you have anybody who comes towards you while you're taking your steps, then you go on that guy. And so it allows for much more flexibility. And at the same time, zone, it's not so much like you, sometimes you, it's just getting in the way of somebody for a split second to create a lane, right? Uh, it's, I think there's just, it's a much more efficient way to run the ball. And I think it's, it's a much easier way to also get play action off of, which is something that you've also seen the Chargers do a lot. So they want to establish the run um, so they can use that play action, which I think against the Chiefs, they had, they ran it like for play action 43% of the time or something like that. It was a top five number uh, for week two. Um, but that's why I think they found a ton of success because it, they are one cut runners. Honestly, I don't think, and as shifty as Austin Eckler is, I think he's a one cut guy. Same thing with Joshua Kelly. They're not going to shake a bunch of guys at the line of scrimmage. They're not going to string three different jukes together to avoid people. It's one cut, hit the seam and, and go and get the, as many yards as you can. And so that's what I got to like tip my hat to with, with Shane Steichen adding in those zone concepts. And obviously it's shown a bunch of success. And, and again, against a, you know, you said a fairly soft Carolina Panthers defense. I think it's the youngest defense that the NFL has had in 10 years. I mean, that's crazy. So for the Chargers to be able to show that they can still run the ball, you know, you don't want to come out flat against a defense like this. So I, I do believe in this game, the Panthers can probably expect to see upwards of 30 plus carries again. And then just kind of on that flip side from a Panthers perspective, what can the Panthers do? Are there any matchups that they could potentially win here or are they, you know, can at least kind of keep close with the Chargers? What, what do the Panthers have to do to stay competitive and potentially win this game? So I was listening to another uh, ESPN fantasy podcast where they were talking about Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Matthew Berry, the, the one of the hosts talks about, uh, talked about Teddy Bridgewater as a dink and dunk 
quarterback. Like the guy is, is, is one of the worst in terms of average yards per you know, target, you know, mm -hmm. down the field. Right. I, he loves dumping it down. And obviously some of that is skewed because, um, well, I guess this is his first year as a starter, but like CMC would, would you know, um, limit that. But even without CMC, you're going to see him probably dump it off to Mike Davis a lot, but he's a dink and dunk quarterback. He doesn't like taking risks downfield and he likes to use his legs sometimes as, as well um, to be safe. So uh, why I think that's a good matchup against the Chargers cover three defense, which is a, a true and tried bend, but don't break defense. They will always stay over the top. They want to limit big plays and they want to trust their superior cornerbacks and, and, and secondary members to come up and make tackles to limit yards after the catch. Um, why this tends to bite the Chargers, you know, in the backside is because, and if you saw what happened with Joe Burrow in, in week one, marching right downfield and before missing, you know, the last second field goal, is it looks relatively easy. And, and that's because it kind of is, right? You can run short hitches and curls and, and little crossers and stuff because that's what the Chargers defense is supposed to allow. They want to make the offense make the right decision over and over and over again. And they're banking on the offense screwing up, not so much just solely relying on the defense to actually make like a big play, a splash play of sorts. So that's where I think the, the Panthers can, can win. And they've got good receivers with good speed, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I know those guys can be really good deep threats, you know, Anderson more specifically, but if they can get the ball into space, you know, take advantage of some man coverages, run some meshes, and just make them pick their poison and then get them out in the space where they can run after the catch for quite a bit. I, I think that's, that's a recipe for success. And then with Anderson, you have that opportunity to, you know, lull them to sleep with their short passing game and then try to, yes, hit them over the top. And so that's probably the best way I can explain where they get a plus matchup um, against this defense. No, absolutely good stuff. And I kind of agree with that. You know, that's, that's a lot of what the Panthers have been doing this season is a lot of that short stuff, you know, getting trying to get their playmakers into space i mean there was they even had an, an interesting formation last week against the bucks you have a bunch to the left side and then mccaffrey's even all the way out uh to the far side so they're just trying to it just seems like they're just trying to make ways for all their playmakers to get the ball and get into space so it's really going to be interesting how they attack this defense but overall what's your prediction here for this game i think you know Again, as an actual Chargers fan, I'd like to think the Chargers have a hell of a game. I'd like to think they come out and win in all facets of everything. Um, but again, having been someone who's followed the Chargers for years now, covers them professionally, like I understand the nuances with this team. And one of the negative nuances is that if you take a stat, so <laughs> it's the funniest thing because I've been, I've been tweeting out random facts and stuff, whether it's like a pro Chargers thing or I'll tweet out something, you know, like the Panthers, they've allowed, uh, what is it? They, they haven't registered a sack yet. I think they had, they've registered just one QB hit. Mm -hmm. um, but while at the same time, I think the, the Panthers have allowed like a really low number of QB pressures or something like that. So they've been pretty decent at protecting Teddy Bridgewater. So I tweet out something like the, the Panthers have yet to sack the quarterback. And then one of the first comments I get is, well, here's four sacks incoming because that's what it's like to be a Chargers fan. This team has a weird way of, of making like history or being like the, the minority in certain ways where if you say, hey, this team sucks at stopping the run, the Chargers will rush for 60 total yards. You know, if, they, if they're bad at stopping the pass, he'll fail to throw for over 200 yards or fail to throw a touchdown. It's the weirdest thing in the entire world, but it's 
really, really true uh, more often than not. So um, I can see them coming out and maybe struggling from the get-go, honestly. Maybe, you know, they say a soft defense and they want to establish the run. Well, I can see them maybe through the first quarter having, you know, seven, eight carries, uh, maybe upwards of 10, but maybe they've only rushed for 32 yards. You know, that's something I can easily see happening. Um, I, you can't just assume everything's going to be a walk in the park, obviously, at any given Sunday in the NFL. But I do think if they do have a slow start, I think they maybe pick it up in the second half. They finally start gelling a little bit more. Um, and again, with the Panthers actually having the week to prepare for Justin Herbert, I don't think we can expect such an easy looking uh, game for Herbert, I guess. You know, not that the Chiefs it looked really easy for him, but um, he just found a lot more success than, than you really expected. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup. You know, I don't want to count out uh, just or the Panthers out just because they don't have CMC. Um, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback. I love watching him in, in Minnesota. He was good with the Saints last season. He's a winner. So, I mean, I know it's been a rough start, but I, I think this guy's got winning in his blood. So I'm going to call it a little bit closer than people think. Um, I want to say, if we're just going to give a score prediction here, I'd say the Chargers probably get 20, we'll go 26, and Panthers uh, 21. That sounds like a good score. I think this will be a – I definitely think this will be a fun game as well. So I'm excited to watch this, but Mike, man, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your thoughts on the chargers. Uh, Let everybody know where they can find you. If anyone wants any more great chargers content or other content, because you're a a busy man, as I know. Yeah. So uh, I did talk about it off before we started recording, but uh, besides the chargers, I do help with a little bit of Rams coverage. You care about Padres coverage whatsoever. I'm also on top of the San Diego Padres coverage for SB Nation. Uh, Bolts from the Blue is the website. It's their Chargers community. And then on Twitter, uh, Zone Tracks is my handle, and that's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. And I think that is it, unless I'm missing something totally different. I do have a podcast called Chargers Lately, but, again, that's something you can find um, on BoltsFromTheBlue.com. Yeah, and he does a lot of great work. Like I said, we – We've been good friends now for a while. Great, great guy, Michael. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by and hope to talk to you soon, man. Yeah, man, for sure. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So again, thanks to Michael for jumping on. Really great stuff. Really appreciate him coming on and hope you guys enjoyed that segment with him. Uh, Like I said, definitely a great friend of mine. We met at the Senior Bowl a couple years ago. Really great dude. So really appreciate that he took time out to come on with me. So before we wrap things up here, as I like to do on Fridays, I like to give you guys the broadcast info so you know what uh, who you'll be listening to when you watch the game on CBS this weekend. Run through uh, some of the other games that you'll get 
for the weekend and who will be commentating them. But before we get into that, uh, today's episode also being brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code LOCKEDON and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. So, uh, NFL map for this week. Let you guys uh, find out who you're going to listen to for the Panthers and the Chargers. Of course, CBS is the uh, single game, so that'll be the only game you guys will get, at least all you guys in uh, North and South Carolina and even the Atlanta area uh, is going to get this game looking at the map. But that'll be the only game on CBS because it is the late game and CBS doesn't have the double header. It'll be Greg Gumbel and Rich Gannon on the call for that game. And just for the hell of it, the rest of the CBS games, Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be in New England for the Patriots against the Chargers. Ian Eagle and Charles Davis have the call for the Texans against the Steelers. Andrew Catalan and James Lofton will have the Titans and the Vikings. Spiro Didis and Adam Archuleta will be calling the Bengals against the Eagles. And then Kevin Harlan and Trent Green have the Colts against the Jets. As for the Fox early game, uh, all of South Carolina and about half of North Carolina, the Charlotte area and the Greenville area included, will have Chicago at Atlanta. So at least you guys will get to see the Falcons. That'll be Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma. Uh, The Higher areas of North Carolina, including Greensboro and Raleigh, you guys are going to get Washington against Cleveland. That'll be Kevin Kugler and Chris Spielman on the call. The other two games in the early wave on Fox, the Giants against the 49ers, Kevin Burkhardt and Daryl Johnston on the call there, and then the Rams against the Bills, Chris Myers, Greg Jennings, and Brock Heward. As for the three late games, all of North Carolina and Pretty much all of South Carolina are going to get Dallas at Seattle, which is Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. There is a small portion of South Carolina that will actually see Tampa Bay against Denver with Adam Amon and Mark Schlereth. And then the third game is Detroit at Arizona. That'll be Dick Stockton and Brady Quinn. And of course, the Sunday night game this week is Green Bay at New Orleans. And actually, Mike Tirico will be on the call. This, I guess, is one of the bye weeks that they talked about with Al Michaels. So Mike Tirico actually gets the call this week with Chris Collinsworth for Packers and Saints. And then, of course, the big one, Monday Night Football, Kansas City at Baltimore on ESPN. So again, for the Panthers, 405 on CBS at the LA Chargers, Greg Gumbel and Rich Gannon will be on the call. And that'll that'll do it here. Uh, my final prediction. I don't even think I gave my prediction yet, uh, but I'm going to say 20 to 13 Chargers. Uh, I think you know with a, a little bit of time now to study Justin Herbert, the Panthers can uh, can maybe figure out ways to rattle him a little bit. But ultimately, I think the Chargers defense is going to be uh, a little too strong for this Panthers offense. And again, with uh, you know the injuries they have to uh, to the offensive line, again, obviously Dennis Daly is out, as we said, so Michael Schofield is going to be in again. Uh, Russell Okung doesn't look like he's going to be 
So this could be a, a game where the Chargers D-line, and like we, we talked about this week with David and Michael, guys like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram obviously on the inside, but Linval Joseph on the inside, uh, they could have some moments where they tee off on Teddy Bridgewater. So could be a bit of a rough day, I think, again, for the Panthers. I think they keep it close. Again, I, I'm going to say 20-13, to 13, but I'm going to say the Chargers get the win and uh, the Panthers start 0-3 and uh, I guess continue on that road toward the number one pick. They, the football outsiders, they showed their uh, DVOA odds through two weeks for uh, the number one pick. And the Panthers are at the top right now. The best odds through two weeks from DVOA to get the number one pick. So uh, still a long way to go, but they could be uh, going down that road. But that's going to wrap it up, I think, for this week. Uh, it's been another great week. Thank you guys, as always, for joining me here. It's been really fun. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Friday and the rest of your weekend. we got a lot of college football this week. Uh, SEC is back. Uh, LSU, Mississippi State, uh, Alabama, Missouri. Uh, LSU is, or I just said LSU. Uh, Florida's playing Ole Miss. So a lot of good games there. Big 12 in action this week and of course we heard this week the Pac-12 is coming back November 6th uh, the Mountain West is coming back October 24th and it sounds like the Mac is probably going to be back as well so college football is pretty much back so enjoy the college games tomorrow enjoy the Panthers and whatever other games you guys watch on a Sunday and we'll be here Monday to recap it all and to start getting ready for Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm going to get out of here. Have yourselves a great weekend. We will see you Monday when we do it again here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. Until then, Billy Rossetti signing off. We will see you soon. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.